This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another episode of Poetry in Motion, an exciting time for all Reds fans, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, we've had the Euros, great tournament that it was. Uh, we've had the good, the bad and the ugly with that, quite frankly, all to do with England fans. Um, but uh, we are now concentrating on uh, the uh, the mighty Reds getting back to uh, to another season and, um, and trying to reclaim the crown that uh, we won the year before last, of course, the season before last, the mad season that we've had to endure. I am joined by one of the old faithfuls, of course, Paul Gorsty's here. Hello, Paul. How are you, pal? Not bad, Fitzy. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Fighting fits. Just what? Just just really excited now, mate. Yeah. As we all are, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, no, it was a good Euros, wasn't it? It was um, quite enjoyable. Kind of rekindled the love of football for a lot of people after um, a pretty weird and at times disastrous campaign for Liverpool fans. Um, everyone had was moaning about VAR, no matter who you supported, and Liverpool were. Struggling with injuries, and there wasn't a fan in sight, was there, until the Crystal Palace game? And it was all a bit, um, a bit depressing at times, wasn't it? You know, we know Liverpool had, you know, um, their own kind of trials and tribulations, and I think everyone was glad to hear the final whistle on, on May the 23rd, I think it was. And then the Euros came, and, and we all got back into it a bit, didn't we? You know, we, we were enjoying the three games on the telly a day, and there were some great games and results, and a few players you hadn't really seen too much of, but you'd heard about, and you were keen to have a little look at. So, yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, and then, obviously, England going all the way and then spoiled it, didn't he? You know, a, a large portion of the fans, um, sadly, which is probably what this tournament's legacy is going to be now. You know, the, the fallout from that, which is um, awful, really. Um, but then, um, 12 hours later, Liverpool are back uh, in action in Austria pre-season day one and, and we're uh, turning the attention towards that, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely, Ghosty. I'm going to welcome, as well, a debutante, to a poetry in motion. Um, Mark Wakefield is in. How are you, pal? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, raring to go, a bit like the Reds are over in Austria. That's it, mate. That's it. I cannot wait. They are in the picturesque Austrian town of Salfelden. Um, are you going to get over there? Any of you lads getting over there to have a little go at them? Uh, there was talk of, of going for the Hertha game, but um, it's not worth it for the other two because they're an hour each, aren't they? Two 30-minute games on the same day and then the Mainz game's only an hour, so um have to wait and see. But I'm not sure about COVID restrictions and all that kind of stuff, so we'll wait and see. Hopefully, we'll get to the, the hit again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's the uh, we've, they've got two half hours. They've got a mini-friendly against a great team called FC Wacker. Uh, FC Wacker Innsbruck and um, Stuttgart as well, July the 20th. Uh, but, Mark, more importantly, um, for every Liverpool fan, just a little snippets of footage that we've seen of um, Big Verge running back onto a pitch. And, of course, Gomez, let's not forget what a great partnership they were. Uh, and Matic, we wish them all well. But, but I mean, f- for, for for most Liverpool fans, if not all Liverpool fans, the sight of Virgil van Dijk and the, the mouth-watering prospect of um, Ibu alongside him, um, Konate, it's, 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 it's really, really exciting, mate, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, like like Gorsi said there, you know, the last season for Liverpool fans has just been like disastrous from, not from minute one, but certainly from the Merseyside derby and all things going wrong uh, from injuries and VAR, all those sorts of things. So Liverpool fans, now, I'd say the Euros gave some form of positivity for, uh, for the fans to get an escape from that. But like you say, the minute 
on, on Monday when the fan or the players arrived in Austria and seeing see Van Dijk, you know, and Gomez and Matip. You know, we've seen snippets of them since or throughout over the last past few months, but you know, seeing them back amongst the group, you know, Klopp said, you know, they're not fully integrated yet, but they're, they're getting there, they're looking good. And in the next few days, weeks, um, the progress is certainly going to be stepping up. And then you factor in, you've got Canate coming in, who looks an absolute, you know, brilliant signing already. Obviously, we can't really say what how good he's going to be because we've not seen him in, in action yet. But, you know, the signs are from the noises coming out of the camp and how he's settling in well, you know, it's certainly going to be £36 million well spent. Yeah, absolutely. And well needed as well. And Gorsty, we haven't seen him obviously play for Liverpool yet, but we, we've seen enough snippets. I know they always say, you know, Titus Bramble looks good on a YouTube clip. <laughs> yeah. um, but this, he seems like a really agile kind of big, strong defender, very much in the in the mould of a young Koulibaly, if you like, in a sense that just this big, strong man who can, who's got pace as well, seems to be able to wear. Uh, very, very clever on the ball, mate. He looks like a really good prospect. He does, yeah. The 22-year-old. He only turned 22 at the end of May, so Liverpool obviously looking to the long term of this one. Five-year deal, as they tend to be when Liverpool bring someone in now. Uh, France, under-21 international, didn't quite make it into the senior squad, but that's probably... No great reflection on him, is it, with the you know their squad, the world champions after all, aren't they? Um, yeah, look, one of the most promising young defenders in Europe, I'd suggest at the moment, absolute man mountain. And I think if uh, if you're an opposition striker next season and, and you cross the halfway line and you've got Virgil van Dijk to your left and Ibrahim Akanate to your right, you'll probably just turn back, won't you? And drop into the- <laughs> yeah, don't, don't fancy it with either of those two. So, uh, going to be interesting to see what Klopp does with his his defenders. Um, He's got four top quality defenders now, hasn't he? And Van Dijk, Canate, Gomez, and, and Matip. And, and once they're all fit and firing, it will be interesting to see who gets the nod. Um, obviously, Van Dijk, it, it's basically who Van Dijk and, and someone else, isn't it? He's going to be the, the main man for a good few years yet. So um, I think I, I, I wouldn't be too concerned, whoever it was, um, alongside Van Dijk next season. I think him and Gomez have shown long term that they are a. You know, a fearsome partnership. They've had the best prior to last season. They've had the best Liverpool. have had the best defensive record in the Premier League for for the two seasons before that. So um, that just kind of feeds into the way they play, pushing up Van Dijk's pace, Gomez's pace. You know, with that high line and and Canate very much fits into that as well. He's comfortable on the ball. He, he's he's very quick. He's obviously a man mountain. He's he's very strong. So he seems to have a lot of. Um, Lot of top qualities that you want in in, in your centre half. So um, yeah, it looks like already, as you see, early days, as Mark says, but looks like it could be another uh, shrewd signing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and talking of which, obviously we've got we've got a a rich vein of centre backs now. Um, poor Al Kabak, who's just been offered at a knockdown price. I mean, Liverpool very clear with their intentions that it just didn't quite work out for him. Uh, Mark, you know, he came in had a few games. Made a few rooks, but let's face it, the pressure that must have been on that kid to come in and do that. But uh, someone who was once once priced at at thirty million down for eight million, he'll be on Groupon next week. I think only the poor kid. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, I don't think it's a reflection on him personally. Like you say, you know, the circumstances that he came into for him personally, you know, twenty twenty one years old, how old he is coming in, you know, from into a foreign league and then going into a defence that's you know makeshift from start to finish, pretty much. You know, he's either had Fabinho or Nat Phillips or Reese Williams alongside him. You know, that's not easy for any player, let alone a new lad coming in to a foreign league. Um, you know, I think it's also, I think it's 
worthwhile mentioning like we've got Ben Davis coming back. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with him. You know, that maybe this is a reflection on, you know, does Klopp think, you know, he's had a few months now. Obviously, we haven't used him last year, but is there a chance to give him a go? But I say you've got four quality centre halves now ahead of him. I'll take two of them being fit at this moment in time after the last year we've had, to be honest. So, you know, if the injuries avoid are avoided again, which hopefully fingers crossed they will, then you know, you can't really see a need to have Kabak. They're the only reason that you would have signed him was for the eight and a half million. And to be honest, if that's would rather go towards say a new midfielder or a new striker, I think that's probably the right thing to do in given the circumstance that they're in at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And Ghosty, you know, we we touched on it uh, briefly at the start there about watching the Euros and watching obviously players that impressed. We've lost Genie, who's going to be a huge, huge loss. Now, you, you yeah. can look at Liverpool's midfield now and you can look who they've got in reserve and you can look at the Naby Caters and the Caters Joneses and the Oxlade Chamberlains and, and Milner and people like that. And Hendo, of course, whether they're going to play, he's going to play, obviously. But you're looking at some of them and thinking, you know, is Klopp going to be happy with what he's got there? Are they looking? We're rumoured to be going into all, all, all sorts of people, aren't we? And uh, all sorts of names. I mean, you know, I was watching this tournament going, oh, he's good, we can't afford him. Oh, he's good, we can't afford him. We have that ridiculous thing, don't we, where we say, oh, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's rumours of, of um, um, Nicola Borelli, is it? Um, um, from Is he from, is he an inter? Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about £70 million, look at him and Griezmann and all these kind of people. And of course, Sol Negres as well. But uh, how realistic do you think any of these are? Do you think Klopp is looking to try and bolster the midfield? He's looking because he's a big replacement, isn't he? I mean, Genie, he played him a lot. He was really reliable. You know that uh, Klopp was a fan for one reason or other. That really starts being made clear to us, whether or not it was it was just a breakdown in contract extensions and stuff. But um, he's gone now. Um, he's going to be a big loss. Do you think we've got what it takes to fill him at the moment, or do you think he's going to have to go into the market? Uh, if you ask me, 100% need, a, need another midfielder. You don't lose a player of his quality and his durability and, and expect to just crack you know, with what you've got. Um, Liverpool paid the price for doing exactly or trying to do that last year when they saw Lovren, didn't they? You know, Klopp kind of erred on the side of caution and thought that three centre-backs would be enough. And by the middle of October, that was already found to be, um, you know, a, a, a mistake. So, um yeah, for me, you know, Wayne Alden played 51 times last season. Um, okay, that was because of injuries to centre-backs and injuries to the likes of Milner and, and Henderson and, and whoever else. Um, and Fabinho was obviously playing at, at the back. But um, you can't just forget that um, that was, you know, that was his contribution. For me, the absolute need another midfielder because... If you're asking Navigator to play even half that, that, that that's a push. And actually, Chamberlain's in the same boat. And then you're looking at Curtis Jones stepping up. He's still in the early years of his career. And then it's a lot of um, pressure then on Thiago, Henderson and, and Fabinho. And, and let's face it, Thiago was out for nearly three months last season. Henderson, his season was over in February and he's had injury problems throughout his career. So, um, he could be um, out of the frying pan and into the fire in, in terms of of repeating that same mistake, but possibly on a, on a bigger scale in terms of, you know, the midfield where it's um, such a vital, you know, area of the game. So you definitely need the midfield. All all the noise is, is that the folks in in house on contracts and so on. But um, I think they have spoken to Florian Neuhaus's representatives um, earlier in this summer or earlier in this year. Um, it's got a little bit cold on on that front, and I think Liverpool are looking to to move on 
one or two or, or maybe even three or four before they kind of dip the toe back into the water. But if you're asking me, yeah, a, a central midfielder has to be a priority. Because, of course, Mark Genie did brought, brought, brought different things to the table, didn't he? And, he, he, you know, you, you wouldn't label him as an attacking midfielder. You wouldn't even necessarily label, label him as a holding midfielder. He just seemed to have it all, didn't he? He could, he could, he could shore up defence, you know, he could sit just in front of them. He could, he could drive forward, he could score goals. He had a little bit of everything. So it's, it's hard to find a replacement in the market, I guess, that does, that ticks all the boxes that Genie ticked. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, I think it should be said that trying to find a replacement, a direct replacement, I just think is impossible. Certainly, I mean, there's not many players in the world game where you could find who could do everything that he did worked perfectly in the system that Klopp had played now with five years at the club. And let's not forget, the, we could talk about, like you say, he wasn't a, a goal-scoring midfielder, he wasn't a defensive midfielder, but what he had most, most important was his reliability. You know, 51 games more than any other midfielder in the club, you know, well, you got Henderson, Fabinho got injured, you know, obviously Milner games as well, and then we've got Cater and Oxley Chamber. You know, the fact that Klopp could rely on him game after game, week after week was so invaluable. And losing that as on top of his quality is just like you say, it's so important that they get get somebody in, but like they they're not one to go too early in the market when in terms of panicking. Um so they got Kanati over the line, but that was an area that they knew full well they needed to to correct the mistakes of last year, but like I say, going back to the point about Lovren, you know, they, didn't, they, didn't, they gambled and they didn't pay off and you can't see them trying to repeat that mistake this time round. And, you know, there's so many names been linked, you know, Saul at Atletico, you know, Barella at Inter, you know, Sanchez, I mean, are probably missing half a dozen out there. Um, they'll just be patient. They'll be looking at the market probably and wait and see, see what's going on elsewhere. But there'll certainly be no panic. But I think they'll be foolish to not even consider or make a move for somebody. It's just who it's going to be. Well, it'd be ironic, Paul, wouldn't it, if if Liverpool come from a season where they didn't plan properly at the back, they then plan properly at the back and don't plan properly in midfield and end up going. The last thing any Liverpool fan wants is to start watching Liverpool side that aren't quite clicking properly because they're missing a vital component. We've been through that. We did that last season, so it is it is difficult. Has um, Hussein Aouer? I don't know. He's pronounced his name. The guy who plays for Leon. He was forty five million pound price tag. When he do you reckon? Even the likes of him going for twenty million and stuff, stuff like that. Arsenal were interested in him. Have you heard anything about him? Well, funny enough, we've just done the Q and A there on the site, and Mark was one of the questions he asked about Hashim Uar. I think is, is how you say his name. Um, that's an interesting one because he, he's been linked with Liverpool for on and off for about three years, hasn't he? And, and we know everyone gets linked with Liverpool, but this is a link that's come back time and time again. Um, it was around about the time when Liverpool pulled the plug on the Nabil Fakir deal and. And I think it, it might be difficult just because of the relationships between the two clubs following on from, from that deal. I think, you know, um, Jean-Michel Oulas, or Arlas, as some people like to call him, um, is one of the kind of toughest negotiators in France. Um, so if he's got to be in his bonnet over Liverpool, still might be something that, they, you know, would be tough to do. They've obviously just lost Memphis Depay, having the other free transfer to Barcelona. Um so he's a talent from the little I've seen of him and, and he would, you know, the, the age of him and, and if it is a little bit of a knockdown price as well, you know, a lot of things make sense for that. But um, it, it's um, it's probably, you know, as I say, I think it might be difficult to kind of get Leon on board and, and crack on with that one. But yeah, I, I, I still I do believe that they will bring him in field with him. Um, we're, we're still early, aren't we? What are we, mid-July, the transfer window's open for? Is it the end of the end of August? Uh, ideally, Liverpool would have, like to have 
all of their squad in before that Norwich game, which was just under a month ago now, or a month ago. But last season, they were already underway with the season, weren't they, before they brought in Thiago and Jota in, in mid-September. So um, if they have to settle for that, um, then you know that, that's what they'll do to ensure that they've got the right player. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a strange... Um... It's a strange pre-season, Mark, isn't it, this time round? It's longer than it's ever going to be, in a sense. They're in Austria, obviously, in, in, in South Felden. Um, and they're staying there for quite a while, aren't they? It's quite a, kind of a new approach. Because um, Klopp was talking about Spain and other places, but believed that they, that they were too too hot, really, to do too much training. But it sounds like they've really, really... He's really fired up, Klopp. I, I feel like there's... I feel like he feels he's got a point to prove. He doesn't have a point to prove for Liverpool fans, but I feel like he has a point to prove because of the way last season went. Um, and he's going to want to hit the ground running, isn't he? So, so it's it's quite a long training camp to do. And then they're inviting, of course, uh, after after other tournaments have finished and they've had, you know, the, the, the Copa America and then we've had the Euros. So they're two or three weeks' time. They're, they're sort of dribs and drabs joining, aren't they? But it's going to be a longer period than they've ever had before in pre-season, isn't it? Yeah, um, like I say, it's not. It's another month until the Norwich game gets underway. They're in Austria until I think they say at the end of July. Um, I think Klopp said in his comments uh, the other day, you know, <clears throat> it's something he's not particularly used to. He's used to having like a couple of weeks away somewhere and then just basically get into it. Obviously, last season there was pretty much no pre-season, pretty much for any club across Europe because of the pandemic. So he'll certainly then be in a good mood and relish in the fact that he can have a proper pre-season with his squad and then, like you say. Some players have still got to return. Some are still on holiday, you know, from Brazil and a couple of the England boys. And Robertson from Scotland still not come back yet. Um, yeah, it's certainly it's going to be good news for them. But what I've got to remember is, though, it's not just Liverpool. You know, all the teams are, are back in pre-season as well. So it is a level playing field. It's not like we've got an advantage here. But, yeah, I think they went into Austria last year as well. So it's certainly familiar surroundings. And, you know, if they can get some new names in, obviously that will... Bulk up the squad, but like you say, there's still there's about 34 players, I think, over there in Austria at the minute. Now, there's quite a lot, you know, obviously a, a lot of the young lads who probably aren't going to get into the first team, but trying to integrate them. You know, they're at Kirby, they've been at Kirby now for nine or ten months, so that's going to do them in good stead as well. But yeah, so it's certainly good, like you say, Klopp's got nothing to prove from our side of things. You know, we managed to get Liverpool to finish third after a season that looked all set to certain that we weren't even going to get in the top four, but they ended up finishing third, so. Yeah, he'll be ready to go. You know, if he, he like most of everyone else connected to Liverpool felt that you know bad luck was against us for most of the year. So, you know, hopefully he'll be right in the wrongs from last year, that's for sure. Yeah, hopefully. And during, and during his pre-season, they get to play Mainz as well, of course. Klopp's old club. And they're even talking about trying to squeeze in the game at Anfield before the season starts, are they not, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Um I was I was looking at the the, the dates. Uh and Klopp was saying that they're gonna be in Austria for four weeks. Uh, and I said 28 days. So I was weighing up, but I was thinking, well, it doesn't leave too much time just squeezing an Anfield friendly. So, um, but put in a few calls, a couple of messages. Well, what, what's the plan? You know, the, the club still planning to, to play an Anfield player friendly in Anfield because um, last they heard it, they were desperate to do it. You know, they want to kind of almost a dummy run for the return of fans. And I think um, they wanted a little bit of a glamorous opponent to, to reopen the doors and get fans in and get money in the, in the tills and whatever else. And um, it was initially meant to be United. And then there was all the kickoff with the, the fans and the game got postponed and whatever. And um, that obviously got shelled for good reason. But um, now I, I was told that Liverpool are still planning an Anfield friendly um, against European level opposition. It's not going to be Blackburn Rovers or Blackpool like it was last year. It's going to be um, someone who's going to give them a little bit of a 
of a run out um, and also kind of give the fans another reason for them to, to, to you know, put, put their hand in the pocket to come and watch Liverpool against, you know, whoever it may be. Um, so that is still on the agenda. The only issue is when when would that be? Um, traditionally, the, the friendlies are the week before the season starts, aren't they? But I think Liverpool will be coming back from Austria that weekend. So it might be a case of playing on the Wednesday. Um Wednesday or the Tuesday and and um, then go to Norwich on the Saturday and the season is underway. But it'll be the first friendly at Anfield in front of fans since 2018, which it sounds crazy, but um, because they used to have one every year, didn't they? It was always the last friendly before the season started. I remember going to, to a few myself, Valencia and, and Lazio and, and probably a couple of others. But um, I think it's going to be a similar type of thing this season where they play um a big name from Europe and um, get the fans in the doors and you know it'll be a uh, be a great experience actually won't it because it'll be the first biggest biggest crowd at Anfield since the Atletico game in March 2020 which is ridiculous now when you think about it so uh, yeah looking forward to that one actually be incredible Mark as well I mean and for the likes of um, uh, Canate and of course Thiago it'll be a great little um Baptism of fire, I guess, in it in the Anfield experience and what if what it means to play because it is a very very special occasion for any footballer and any fan really in the ground to experience what Anfield's like when they're crowded behind them and boy are they going to be behind them because this is going to be this is going to be a, a, a full capacity crowd um, for the first time for uh, uh, as Paul just said since uh, since the Atletico game and uh, it's going to be an incredible feeling it's going to really spur them players on isn't it Mark particularly the new signs you know Thiago as well of course and. Uh, and uh, Canate, they're going to feel the real fire of Anfield, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Thiago and Diego Jota as well. They will have both. I think, but well, Thiago's faced Liverpool in the Champions League with Bayern. Jota, obviously, with with Wolves. So they've both uh, seen the Anfield atmosphere from an opposition side, but they haven't really seen. They haven't seen it at all from a from the Liverpool side of things. And then you've seen Canate, who obviously hasn't been to Anfield um, as a player. Um, now he'll. Now he'll get that opportunity, so it certainly will be an absolute opportunity to relish. I was actually thinking about this the other day. The um, you know, you know, Liverpool are one of the teams that you know relished having the fans. You know, they have really get the fans behind the behind the team and you know take advantage of it. But are the other teams going to have the same? So, well, how? You know, last season we saw you know away result, a lot of away wins. You know, this year are we going to see the flip side of that? Are we going to see pretty much teams win all their home games or not? The vast majority not lose. And you know, how is that going to going to work? And now, Liverpool certainly one of the teams that, you know, I don't want to say rely on the home fans, but that's not true. But no, certainly they get an extra motivation, extra advantage from that Anfield support. You know, we've seen games in the past. There's so many to name the most ones. Obviously, Barcelona is obviously one that people will point to. But there's so many you could you could list. Um, it's certainly going to be an opportunity that obviously for the new new boys, but also for the likes you know the experienced lads like Henderson, you know Van Dijk, you know they'll have missed the fans as much as anybody. Uh, not seeing them, and then Klopp as well. We said he absolutely loved seeing having, just having ten thousand back. So when we have fifty-four thousand back, you know it's absolutely going to be an occasion of that we're all going to absolutely relish. Whether it's a friendly or a Champions League, not a Premier League game, it doesn't matter. It's just it's been so long that it's just going to be fantastic to have them back. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, it, it just feels like there's it's potentially going to be a very very special season, Paul, doesn't it? Because of because of the the opportunity for fans to reconnect with the players and the heroes and uh, and it's it just has that feeling that it's going to be such a great season and, and probably the reason why Liverpool really want to try and get it right 
uh, with the training and get it all sorted out. You know, we know Michael Edwards is, is a very shrewd businessman. So there's no doubt that Liverpool will be behind the scenes. Um, what you were saying about newsmen as well, that sounds like something that Liverpool would do. Inquire before, go quiet and then jump in again. So it, it, he's one that's been on the radar for a while and whether or not they are going to look into him is interesting. What about people going out though, Paul? I mean, you know, you talk about Gruwich, who has been a Liverpool player, stroke not a Liverpool player for as long as I can remember. Um, Harvey Elliott is sporting, thank God, a new hairstyle. Um, is back in the fold, but you wonder for how long. And then you've got the likes of Shaq and people like that. We're going to be, presumably going to be seeing some outgoings before the season starts, Paul. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, Marco Gruwich is probably the most interesting one now because he was the first player, wasn't he, who signed under Klopp in January of 2016. He's had four separate loan spells since. He hasn't played. He played last year in the League Cup, but he's never actually started the Premier League game in five and a half years. Um, last time he played in the Premier League was December of 2017. Um, so it's incredible, really. But um, he's got uh, he's got interest. Porto are leading the way at the moment. I think there's the field of inquiries from Germany and, and Italy, which was possibly Sassuolo, seen, seen recently. But Porto are definitely the front runners at the moment. He wants to stay. Someone was telling me this week he wants to stay at Porto. Porto want him. Uh, I was given a kind of extensive breakdown of the statistics at Porto last season and how much Sergio Conceição rates him and how much he was willing to to put him in, in his midfield. But the issue is um, the a little bit cash strapped. You know, like like pretty much every club across Europe, they've been hamstrung by the pandemic and. They need to move one or two on themselves before they can crack on with with, uh, with what they want to do. So Liverpool are looking for around about 12 to 15 million for them, I think. Um, and Porto need to to move on. I think Sergio Oliveira is their kind of blue chip who they're looking to cash in at the moment, but he's, he's still there. A um, few of the midfielders as well that they're looking to to, um, to move on, I think. But once that happens, then they'll be back for Groot, I believe. And then you might see the wheel start turning for Liverpool on, on the incomings. Um, Harvey Elliott, I think... As far as I'm aware, uh, the plan is to, to keep him in the squad next season. He had a fantastic year at Blackburn, didn't he? Just missed out on winning the Championship's Young Player of the Year to Redden's uh, Michael Olise. One of the um, brightest young players probably in Europe at the moment, I'd suggest. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets a few games next season and, and seeing what he's developed and what he's learned at Blackburn. Um, but on the flip side, you'd also never completely rule out a loan move for him. Um, I personally don't think he will, but if the right kind of proposition is, is floated across Michael Edwards' desk, then Liverpool will look at it. I'd probably suggest it might be a Premier League club at this stage, but um, yeah, um, outgoings certainly seem to be the, the focus at the moment before we can look at uh, who we might be reporting on uh, as an incoming. It's funny, Mark, isn't it? Because we talk about Michael Gruwich and, uh, and the spells he's had with other clubs and, and the other clubs on loan, he's always seems to have figured quite highly with them. He's, I know Porto pleasing the head to Berlin was another one he was at, wasn't he? I think. Um, and, and he did well at all them clubs. He, he was sort of like, you know, one of the shining players. And then it's odd that, that it just doesn't quite work. And, and as Paul said, he was, he was Klopp's first signing. So he stuck with them, but yet not enough to, to believe that he can do it in the Premiership. It's, it, it's an odd situation with him, isn't it? Yeah, it's an odd one. I mean, I think we've seen 
clubs in the past now sign players and basically just raise their up, raise their value up, and then eventually sell them uh, for a, a higher fee. And I think Manchester City have done it with some players. Manchester United have probably done it. Chelsea are probably the one that springs to mind as well, who have done it quite a bit with some of their young players as well. But you know, like you say, he was Klopp's first signing. Now I think it was like I don't remember much, but we played when they played Barcelona friendly at Wembley. I think he scored a looping a header. I think at, at Wembley. I think that was a few, some years ago. And you think, oh, could this be you now a midfielder that? Um, starting Klopp's revolution, obviously, it didn't didn't start turn out that way. Like I say, he's had various loan spells, you know, in in Germany with Hertha Berlin, and then with Porto. And like I say, for one reason or another, it's just it's just not worked out for him. Um, whether it's just the the style of play of the English game, the intensity, or just fitting into the team, you know, if he's not if he's not going to get a game uh, with likes of you know Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, all them. Let's not forget when he left, you know, Van Dijk was and Gomez were fully fit, and then. Obviously, the midfield had to basically be wiped out because some of them had to go into centre back. So, no situation for him. You know, it probably almost certainly is going to be better for all parties if he does move on. You know, gives Liverpool some cash to work with and gives him the move that he wants to play some regular game time. Because you know, I can't see him if he stays at Anfield to getting many games in midfield. Even if he is the with with the other players and with the shortage of not having one album there. So, yeah, it is a curious one, but I think it's like a sign of how. Liverpool are being a bit shrewder in the market, you know, buying a play and then for pen- pennies pretty much and then raising them, selling them off for a few millions more. So it's if it helps Liverpool bulk up their transfer kitty, I think, you know, it's, it will work out better for all parties. Yeah, and you've got you get the feeling, Ghosty, that uh, that Shaq is probably going to be on his way out the door as well. And he's he's one of them players for me who I've always enjoyed seeing him in the red shirts. When he played for Stoke, I always thought he'd be a great Liverpool player. And then when he come here, he's, you know, He's had more good moments than bad. Let's be honest with you. He didn't have a bad tournament for Switzerland. To be fair, he, he was the captain, obviously, and uh, he made some great kind of um, some lovely passes and some lovely, lovely moments in, in that tournament. And he's one of them who, who it's going to be a shame t- to see him go if he. Do- well, I mean, he, all but COVID, he supposedly would have gone last season, wouldn't he? But they're looking at about fifteen million for him, aren't they? So. It sounds like they're trying to they're trying to kind of offload to accumulate enough to be able to start balls rolling uh, in a positive way to try and get people in, doesn't it? But Shaq yeah, being probably one of them. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? Um, yeah, I like Shaqiri myself. The, the thing I like about him most is he's probably the only one in, in this Liverpool squad who, um, from Central Area, has tried to play that, that through ball. You know, um, I can think of... There's an assist for Jota, I think it was against West Ham, and there was an assist, might have even been the same week, to Trent for Jota, that's happening against Mitchell London. And both of them are the same, similar sort of reverse passes. Um, you know, people people like Ryan Alden for all their kind of virtues and, and for everything that they were good at, he was always reluctant to, to try that ball, and, and Shaqiri wasn't or isn't. And um, sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you end up claiming an assist for it, but he's one of the few... Who were brave enough to, to try that at the, in this Liverpool squad, and um, I think I think his days are probably numbered at Liverpool now. There was interest um, in January of last year, uh, severe in Roman, I think, and, and Klopp wanted pretty much just all hands on deck for the next few months while the title was wrapped up, and then you'll go with with our blessing type of thing. And then um, he got taken out the team at, uh, for the Arsenal game, was it in the League Cup? I think there was interest from a couple of teams in Italy and. Looked like he was going to go then and, and decided to stay put. And uh, Liverpool were looking for about 25 million for him privately in January of last year, but that will have come down significantly now. I think they'd be lucky to get 15 million for him. But um, yeah, hopefully you just look at it and think he's had a good Euros and 
hopefully some uh, clubs are still kind of taken in by, you know, a few weeks' performances in international competitions and, and uh, security stocks high and you can get a decent fee for them. And I think, yeah, with the likes of Gruitz and Shikari and, and maybe Origi and um, Nico Williams and Nath Phillips, possibly, if, if they're all, you know, if they do all move, uh, there is interest in, in all of them, I think. So to do all move, then that will raise a significant amount for um, Michael Edwards and, and Klopp to, to get stuck into the market and bring in who they want. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And um, some of these players really really shone in, in the in the uh, the European Championships, and, and some of them didn't. So it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Because prices will fluctuate, and of course you've got the cash strap clubs as well as Paul Ghost mentioned earlier on. Um, are there other positions, Mark, do you think that we need to? I mean, you know, we talked about last season about about the stuttering performances of Sadio Mane, really. Probably the, his worst season, let's face it, in a Liverpool shirt, wasn't it? it was, he, he, he missed a lot of chances. He was he was poured on, on, on quite a few occasions. Salah, who, you know, nearly won the Golden Boot again. Incredible stats. And yeah, seems to be one of them players who, who, who can score a game and missed four, missed five during that match. And then, of course, we've got Jota so you, on paper and Firmino. But there was definitely something up front. I mean, a lot of last year's problems were, of course, started and sparked off by the Van Dyke injury and by the Gomez injury. And then having to, you know, rehouse players in positions they weren't familiar with. But then, after a few months of that, it became apparent that we were actually squandering points, weren't we? We were squandering games by poor finishing, by poor being very, very poor up front. So it makes me wonder whether or not Liverpool. I mean, we're talking about them stuttering even to get a player and now for midfield to, to try and to try and help plug the gap that Genie's going to leave. But will they be looking at up fronts as well? Do you think they're happy with up fronts? Um, you know, there were there were, there were rumours of players that we were seeing uh, during the uh, the Euros. Will they be looking for that as well? Do you think, Mark, or do you think there is a cash strap situation here where they're going to have to just try and again bring in one player rather than trying to look at the you know the Harlands and the Mbappes? as wonderful as that would be, are just, and have always been out of Liverpool's price range. So, do you think they're going to try and get clever and get someone up to put a bit of pressure on the front three as well? Uh, it's a difficult one. I mean, if it was up to me, I certainly would, because like you say, knowing that's well, how six, seven games away it was, where they lost at Anfield in a row between like uh, February and March. Now, that wasn't because they didn't have Van Dijk at the back or because like the midfields were playing in defence. That was because they were missing some of their chances. You know, some of the games, you know, the, the Fulham games are one. I think the Fulham was the last of those defeats, you know, they were really poor squandering their chances, even Salah on his day, but, you know, given the fact he scores 20-odd goals in the season, um, can't really ever go at him too much. And like I say, the load has to, if he's not getting the goals, it has to come from uh, Manny and Firmino. And, uh, you know, they've been a very frightening uh, front three for like the last, what, four seasons now? Is it four or five seasons? Whatever it is now, they've been been together. Um, you know, Jota was the first step of um, trying to, rejuvenate that, uh, whether Klopp will think, no, I've got to get somebody else in, what position of that is, I don't know. We've seen Ismail Assar link once again um, in the last couple of days, uh, whether they're anything driven that, I mean, no idea, but you know, what position Klopp will look at, not too sure. I think if it was me, I'd rather go for someone who's like an out, like goal scorer number nine. You know, we saw Patson Dacker from Salzburg link before he moved to Leicester. Um, Marlin um, at PSV has been linked, but by looks things, he's going, probably going, going to Dortmund um, to replace Sancho. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a very tricky market. You know, like you said, there's not many um, good, both good strikers available who are going to be available for such relative, what we think is going to be a bargain fee. You know, like you say, that Haaland's and Mbappe, you know, that that's just outside the realms of 
possibility, even outside the realms of fantasy, to be honest, uh, for any club really, let alone Liverpool with the situation that we're in at the moment. So, you know, what Klopp will look to do, he's going to have to be creative. Him and Evers going to have to be very creative. You now, I'd like to think that they've got some names um, that none of us know about um, in the pipeworks that they're asking questions about and then just seeing how the market's going. But like I say, we're going to have to wait and see about in terms of outgoings because I don't, if nobody leaves from now, I can't see them signing, um, certainly not signing for. I think midfield is going to be the priority because they've got the, the quality there with the, the front four there. But, you know, if they can, if they don't get some out of the door, then, you know, the best question what they're going to do. But if they do and get some more cash in, then they'll certainly be looking at it. But like I say, there's probably going to be some names that we've not even heard mentioned yet, even though we've seen so many. Yeah, it's usually the way, isn't it, Gorsty, that they come up with some 19-year-old kid that they think is going to be the next Haaland instead of going and getting the Haaland that is the Haaland. But uh, that's just the way we play the game. Do you think this is going to be... Uh, a pivotal season for Roberto Firmino in this side now, Ghosty. He had a very, very well over the last couple of seasons. The goals have dried up. He has he has moments of of, of just genius, doesn't he? But they 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 were few and far between really last season. It was a stuttering performance all season down with him. He doesn't have a lot of pace. He plays in a particular way. He's an amazing player. He owes us nothing. He's incredible. We love him. But do you think this is going to be one of them seasons where it's really make or break for Firmino because? Um, he really needs to improve, doesn't he? He's not the only one, but he really needs to improve on last year. Yeah, he, he had a poor season last season, to be fair. Um, the one before, I, I don't really criticise him too much. You know, he only got the one goal at Anfield, but loads of his, his goals away from Anfield were, were massive goals. You look at the ones in the Club World Cup. Uh, he's got the winner at Wolves, the winner at Palace. He scored at Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, I think I think his, goal, his winning goals were responsible for about 21 points that season. Um, so... Reluctant to have a go at him too much for that one, especially when Liverpool walked to the title. He's obviously a massive part of that team. But last season, there was no question he, he was well below the level expected of him. Um, I think the return of fans is, is going to be a big thing for him. I think him and Mane, probably more than anyone else, um, are going to benefit from the, the return of fans. And thought that much was evident for Mane in particular against Palace. You know, within the first two minutes, they're singing his name and he's doing step overs around the fullback and, he, and he's getting the cross in and he just looks. Electric, and I think um, it's difficult to overstate the impact that had on the players not playing in front of the fans last season, particularly in that that run between January and March that Mark mentions, where all the games were night games. It was bitterly cold. There was no fans there. Liverpool were on a bit of a, of a downward spiral. There was no confidence whatsoever. Liverpool could probably still be playing in those games now, and they wouldn't have scored. They would just just had no invention no kind of ideas of what to do and, and it really really got them got them down and he went um he went from middle of december to the first week of april without winning around field which is unbelievable really when you think this is a team that went four years close to four years unbeaten there um so yeah i think the return of fans will have a massive impact on Firmino and, and, and Mane as i say and hopefully they can get back to the level that we've, we've kind of come to expect from them but yeah, yeah I, I do agree that it is a, it is a big season for, for Firmino in particular, yeah. Yeah, but I think Paul's right, isn't he, Mark? I mean, Liverpool Liverpool players seem to react to fans better than a lot of other players do. It's the, it, it's the difference between the world-class players, isn't it? The ones that really get lifted by the support of fans and they get, you know, it, it, it inspires them. And I think a lot of what happened last season with, with clubs coming and upsetting other games and is that I genuinely believe that when there's a there's a, a high percentage of players in the Premiership that, that don't like the fans getting on their backs. They don't play. They don't perform. And I think they were going to they were going to places like Anfield and not having that. 
and 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 it allowed them to sort of be a little bit more freer on the ball. Whereas I think when all the fans start coming back, they'll probably retreat in again. Uh, and certainly when you get to Anfield, they'll be getting you know, 50-odd thousand screaming at them, then they, they will know how, what it feels like. So there will be, I think, a level of the playing fields in that respect last season. I think Liverpool should push on from now uh, because fans will be back and it'll inspire them more, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. You know, saying provide um, there's no more injuries and obviously with the return of fans, you know, Liverpool haven't got any excuses now. Um, you know, last year, they could fall back on the fact that they have Van Dijk and Gomez injured and they can say that they didn't have fans at Anfield. But like I say, with this time this time round, there's not really any excuse. And I think, you know, having 50 or 1,000 Copites screaming at you is certainly going to rejuvenate the, the players uh, from a Liverpool perspective. Like you say there, the opposition were coming to Anfield over the past 12 months and just saying, well, we haven't got the Anfield crowd going at us so we can play however we want. We can, you know, be as attack man as we want. We can be as defensive man as we want. We can do pretty much whatever we want and not get booed or anything. So, you know, it's certainly going to be Working Liverpool favour both both good and bad, like you say, there are some players across the Premier League, across probably in Liverpool as well, who don't like having fans on their backs. But you know, from my experiences at Anfield, you guys as well, you know, Liverpool's aren't really a ground that does that. You know, they try and support the players. Obviously, there's sometimes where that that doesn't happen, but vast majority of the time, you know, we support our players. You know, if fans have been there when Marnie and Firmino were struggling in that six-game run, I mean, I'm convinced that Liverpool wouldn't have lost six games at Anfield and Red with fans. There's no way that would have happened. They might not have won many of them, but they certainly wouldn't have lost them all. Um, and like you say, the Palace game, you know, you saw Mane in particular was just had an extra injection of confidence in there, which, you know, that might have been, you know, last game of the season, there's much more on the line, or it might have been more likely that he had 10,000 fans behind him. So they're the ones in there, but there's some other players, you know, Navigator struggled as well. He might need an inject uh, with some fans as well. And some of the other players like Nico Williams, when he's not played, he's had to cope without having fans as well. So you know, there's loads of other players who, are going to benefit from having fans back, but certainly the two you mentioned there, Manny and Firmino, are certainly going to benefit more than most. Yeah, absolutely. And one, at least there's one bit of continuity, thankfully, that we can all um, take solace from, and that is that um, Thomas Gronmark, uh, the uh, the throwing coach, is sticking around again for another season because uh, I don't know where we'd be without his input. Um, <laughs> for, for the last couple of seasons, I've heard people in the pub or whatever, whenever we've been lucky enough to watch a match go, and we still got that throwing coach. Um, <laughs> he's sticking around for another season. Look, it's one of those things, isn't it, uh, Paul, When especially when we're talking about attracting players as well. We we did many um, a poetry emotion last season, and no doubt as well, of course, the other Blood Red and all the other under the umbrellas, of course, Ali the Rouge. We all had these really, really dark times watching Liverpool and watching what was going on. And when you get to the end of it now, where we are, that's that's gone now. Yeah. And when you think about it, we pulled off third place, which is just extraordinary. It was a brilliant finish to the season. Liverpool knew that they had the bit between the teeth, and they went for it. So when it comes to signing these big players and trying to get people in for the season, we're, we're, we're a Champions League. We're in Champions League football. We're not even in qualifiers. We're in Champions League football, and, and, it, and it, 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 it's it's just a positivity thing now, isn't it, mate? We're getting we're there. We're in pre-season. We're welcoming them all back bit by bit, and it just feels like the the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel now, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I remember doing one one with you and Sean Bradley last season, and. It was like a post-mortem uh, and someone mentioned, I think it was Joe Rimmer mentioned, he was listening to it back thinking this is a bit of a morbid listen just because of how kind of dark and, and depressing it was. And Liverpool, I think, must have been when they were in that run, you know, getting beat six games at home and probably when they were at the tail end of that. But I think, yeah, I think there's loads to be positive about at the moment. Um, I think it's a, there's a bit of a perfect storm coming for Liverpool. 
think Klopp will be absolutely beyond the lights that he's got so many of his big stars at day one and pre-season, you know, players like Trent and Van Dijk and Gomez, Matip, Salah and Mane, and then obviously the new boy Canate, he's not joining midway through and trying to learn the ropes. He, he's there day one getting told this is how we play. Um, and then the return of fans, um, obviously if there's a clean bill of health, I think everything's just kind of coming together at just the right time for Liverpool to hit the ground running at Norwich on uh, August the 14th. And then that massive home game against Burnley, which is just going to be incredible, isn't it? I mean, um, it's a shame that I think it's a 12.30 kick-off, really, because if that would have been a, a 3pm or, or even a 5.30, people would have had a chance to get in the boozers beforehand and, and limber up the singing voices to really, um, you know, welcome on the team for, you know, or, you know, the team can welcome them home for the first time in 18 months. So, yeah, loads to be excited about, loads to be positive about and um, looking forward to Liverpool getting back to the the standards that they've set in the last couple of years and challenging Man City for the for the title again. Yeah, absolutely. And ironically, most of the most of the kickoffs this season are going to be three o'clock. Back to the old glory days of three o'clock. Mark yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, like like you say, Ghost. You know, the worst the worst moments last year were, 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 when we did these podcasts and they were down. You can only tell talk about the current situation. Uh, and what was going on? There was no light at the end of the tunnel last season. It was horrendous. It was we were trying to find things positive to talk about, and I'm not going to sit here and st- with rose tinted glasses and say, "Well, you know, you know, let's let's put." You can't. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to say when chances are being missed, and you have to say when you're losing six on the trot, and you have to say because we knew what was going on, and 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 we should be able to say that to each other as fans as well. Uh, Mark, let's be positive. That was absolutely loads of positivity. Now I think. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see what what happens when this team get led out, and um, we've got a bit of um, revenge to extract on Burnley, certainly at Anfield. But um, it's just going to be fantastic, mate. In it, Champions League football, um, a really strong squad. Um, we haven't even mentioned people like Tomiskis and stuff, who's probably going to have a role to play this season as well. He's called it the toughest season of his career last season, well, because you know that he kind of knew what he was in for when he came in. But these are players we've got in reserve now. We've got a strong squad. We're building up again, and. Um, uh, you know, the good times don't feel too far away, Mark. Yeah, I mean, no, in terms of getting revenge on Billy, I think there's a whole, quite a few teams who need to get revenge on it. Anfield, given that they lost quite a few games in there, Everton being, and Manchester City being the main two, in my opinion. Yeah, like you say, you can't see roasting the glasses and being a bit deluded about things, but at the same time, like you say, there are reasons to be positive. Like last year, last year there wasn't wasn't too many uh, for most of it up until the end when they uh, sneaked into the top four. Uh, but like so this year, you know, players are back. Like like Gus said, that most of the players are back on on day one. Obviously, if you've got to come back, but like I said the bulk of his his squad is there. You can work with them, um, and then the return of fans. You add that in. Um, Champions League football, we've got that to look forward to back with um, with fans in there. You know, Champions League nights, Anfield is not arguably unrivaled to anywhere else in Europe, um, in my opinion, and perhaps many else's opinion as well. So, you know, we, we can't just be too deluded about it. But at the same time, you know, these are facts. You know, we've got these players coming back. You know, we've got reasons to be positive. It's not being overly optimistic. You know, they are valid, very valid reasons. And, you know, all set, obviously, the uh, way at Norwich on the opening day. But, yeah, like Gorty said there, Burnley at home, albeit on a 12.30 kickoff, I think the fans will be right up for that one. And, you know, Burnley best bit watch out, that's for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it's positivity as in we're going to be starting a season and going into a season with with the strongest possible squad we can have. And that's all we can wish for, isn't it? And and, um, and fingers crossed things are going to plough forward from that, really. Listen, guys, it's been great. Thanks very much, Mark. How was your debut? Did you enjoy it? 
Yeah, it was good. Hopefully, uh, Canorti has an even better one when he starts uh, against Norwich. <laughs> Fingers crossed, my friends. Gorsty, thanks very much, pal. Appreciate it. Yeah, always a pleasure to come on. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. All right, listen, guys. Uh, everyone listening to this, thank you once again. Always want your support and always appreciate your support whenever you're listening and downloading this. Uh, keep it going. Ali Rouge as well, of course, with Pete and the gang and uh, and also all the lads as well from the Echo who do their own under the Blood Red uh, uh, umbrella. Uh, keep supporting us. Keep listening to these shows and uh, hopefully we've just got uh, a bright future ahead with a really, really strong Liverpool squad chomping at the bit. Come on, you Reds. Uh, see you all again soon for another Poetry in Motion. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.